Today's session, we're going to cover four or five key things. What is a personal brand? You know, whenever I talk to people about the fact that actually I specialize in personal brand coaching, everyone says, ooh, that's really interesting. I, you know, personal branding is always something that piques people's interest. But what actually is a personal brand and why do you need one? Why is it important for you? Secondly, what does a strong personal brand look like? Um, so as Gwen said, we're really keen that you use the chat function. I know some of you are on the phone, so you can't uh, engage on the chat and you obviously can't see the slides, but we will send the slide deck out after this session. But for those of you who've been kind enough to join us on screen, we're going to get you on chat. It's really straightforward. It's really easy. Um, so don't worry about it too much. But we're going to get you to, to have some opinions on uh, three personalities that I'm going to put up on screen or Holly's going to put up on screen. as She's driving the slide. So what does a strong personal brand look like? What makes up your personal brand? Often when we talk about personal branding, we tend to get into, you know, the sort of external element of a brand. How do we communicate? What are our actions? Um, you know, what do we wear? What are we posting on social media? And, and those things are elements of personal, a personal brand, but they're not the key things of a personal brand. A personal brand is very much about who you are, what you stand for, the values that you have, the experience that you have, and then how you externalize that. So we're going to talk through the seven things that make up a personal brand. Um, we're also going to talk about you know, the key strategies to building a powerful personal brand. So I'm going to give you some tools and techniques as a coach in order to do that. So next slide, please, Holly. So what's all the fuss about with this thing called personal branding? So this is the classic definition you can go on to wikipedia and this is what you will read about a personal brand and i i quite like it actually a personal brand is a widely recognized and largely uniform perception or impression of an individual based on their experience their expertise their competencies their actions and or achievements within a community industry or the marketplace at large. So it's not a small definition. You know, there's a lot there, which shows you actually the complexity and the enormity of, of a personal brand. There's a couple of things that I want to draw to your attention. So firstly, it's widely recognized. So a successful brand is widely recognized and it's largely uniform. So by that, the view is broadly the same and broadly consistent by all who have a view on the personal brand. And as I said, actually, what it's made up of is all of the things that you are, you know, your experience, your expertise, your competencies, your actions, and so on. So there's a lot about who you are and then how you project that brand. So that's what a brand is. There is a difference between personal branding and a personal brand. And I often get asked this because people use the term interchangeably. So personal branding is the activity that you go through in order to create your brand. I'm sorry for anyone who can hear my dog in the background. He has a habit of barking at the real wrong moments. Um, so personal branding is strategies that you employ. Again, if we take the social media example, if I go out and I post on social media about something that I'm passionate about, that is personal branding. That's a process, that's a strategy. Per and, and that's what creates your personal brand. 
So they are slightly different. Why is a personal brand important? Um, and, you know, I guess some of you have a view that personal brand is important because you wouldn't have dialed into this call if you didn't think that it were. But a personal brand does a number of things. Firstly, it helps you build trust. If somebody doesn't know you, they don't know to trust you. So actually telling people and getting that message across of who you are and what you're about helps build trust and familiarity. It helps others understand you. It provides context. It provides understanding. It enables talent acquisition. And by this, what I mean is if you have a strong brand as a leader in an organization, people will come and say, I want to work for you. If you think of all of the senior people in your organization that you look at and go, they've got a really, really strong brand. Um, you know, you look and go, actually, I really love the opportunity to work for that particular person. So it can enable you to get, you know, decent talent in your organization. It can create brandless awareness for you, um, but also for your company. So if you choose to advocate for your company um, externally, actually, it can increase, increase your awareness and your company's awareness. It can, and I provide no guarantees here, just to be absolutely clear, but it can help you increase your compensation. Um, if you are known by an organization, if you are known by the leadership team, if they understand your value and what you bring to the table as an individual, it can help increase your compensation. Clearly, it opens up opportunities. You know, if people know who you are, if people know what you're about, if they know where your strengths are, um, and if they know where you want to go in your career, it signposts for them the way to help you and support you. So it's really key in terms of opening up opportunities for you and it can build respect. And, you know, if you think about the respect piece, again, look at the senior leaders in your organization, look at the people you aspire to be and the respect that you have of, of those individuals. And conversely, you know, there are plenty of examples where we've seen sports personalities or celebrities in the media who you know have had problems with their personal brand and we've lost respect for them as a result and i'll talk about that a little bit later on so it can build respect um another thing to remember you have a brand so each and every one of you on this call already has a brand one of the things that i often find is that clients come to me and they say, right, I'd like to build my personal brand as if it doesn't exist already. You have a brand. So the stories that you've talked about yourself, the competencies and capabilities that you bring to the table have already created a brand for you. So I would encourage you as you're sitting here listening to me to start to think about, oh, what's What's my brand? And one of the ways of thinking about that is what would people say about you? How would they describe you? How would they talk about you? But be under no illusion, you have a brand already. So it's super important that actually you own that brand and you take a part in actually positioning it. And then the last thing to think about is a brand should be authentic. I talk about the pillars of a strong brand later on in this session, but you don't have to turn into somebody else in order to build your brand. Um, and again, it's a bit of a common misconception. By all means, look at people around you, 
look at what you like about their brand, emulate some of it. If it works for you, but your brand must and should be authentic to you because you are you and no one else is you. And that's a fantastic thing. Uh, next slide, please. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to get you all on chat. So uh, if you're not sure, there should be a little chat button on the bottom right hand corner of your screen in the bottom toolbar. And I want you please, so you can see in front of you, the lovely Oprah Winfrey, I would like you please to put into the chat one word to describe Oprah Winfrey, the one word that comes to mind for you when thinking about Oprah Winfrey. Powerful, confident. There's no right or wrong answer on this one, by the way. Inspiring. You get a, you get a car. Hmm, I'm curious about that one. Generous, helpful, strong, lots of powerful, popular, engaging. Great, thanks, Alice. Kind, confident, development. Yep, confident, rich. Thanks, Harold. Yes, that's true. Um, inspiring generous, brilliant, fantastic. So we're gonna do this two more times, so we'll pause it there. Um, so what's interesting, you know, and, and, and the reason why I've put these three particular individuals up on the screen is to highlight some of the things around their brand. But what's interesting is you're all talking about either the values that that person has or the characteristics of that person. You know, you're not looking at the outward, you're looking at the inward. So Oprah is confident. And actually, you know, she's, uh, she's engaging, she's powerful, she's strong. And, you know, Oprah Winfrey is a really interesting individual. And one of the reasons why I put her brand up here, or I put her picture up here is she appears without fail in as one of the top brands, one of the top personal brands throughout the world. And there's a, there's a few reasons why, but my take on this one is Oprah Winfrey's brand is incredibly focused. Now, let me explain this. So when we think about Oprah, we know, and you know, as Harold says, she's, she's rich because, you know, she has Harpo Productions, her production company, you probably know her most through the Oprah Winfrey show, where she's a chat show host. She's written books. Um, she's written What I Know For Sure and What Happened To You, her two books. She's got other books as well. She's been in film. She's an actress. She was in The Color Purple. And she's a philanthropist as well. You know, she has um, the Leadership Academy for Girls. She runs a lot of charitable um you know, activities and organizations. So she has a lot of things that she does, but she concentrates on five key things as part of her brand. Sexual abuse, slavery, African-American culture, women's rights and children's rights. And there are some other bits and pieces that she does, but predominantly those are the five key things that she focuses on and those things permeate throughout her brand. So her brand is very focused despite all of the things that she's involved in. So I really want you to think about that. Having a brand that's focused, that isn't too diluted, that concentrates on key things is really quite important. So that's Oprah, thank you very much for engaging. We're gonna go on to the second person, please. So, 
Um, I'm, I hope that most of you know this individual, but if you don't, this is Malala, Malala Yousafzai, or actually known as Malala. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know Malala, she is an activist. Um, and she grew up from a very young age, really speaking out about the importance of girls' rights um, and children's rights as well. So uh, thank you. We've got strong. So start to, start to put you at it calm, nice, resilient. Thank you, Maggie. That's great. Um, iconic. Absolutely. Influencer. Yes. Yeah, great, Nita. She is actually an influencer. She didn't choose to be. She's a very powerful influencer. Anyone else got some other views on Malala, Nobel Prize winner? Absolutely. Um, great. Okay. So a little bit less on, on Malala. Um, but what I wanted to, the reason why I wanted to highlight her brand um, is actually, and partly what you're picking up on here, is she has an awful lot of influence. And I think part of the reason why she has an awful lot of influence is she is totally authentic. So again, another thing that I mentioned earlier, I really want you to remember this, is your brand should be authentic. Um, and, you know, when people come to me, for those of you, again, some of you obviously know who, who Malala is, people can relate. Yeah, she's been through, you know, she's been through an attempted assassination. So, you know, if you don't know, Malala grew up in Pakistan. She was very vocal in her desire to actually um, do the right thing for women, do the right thing for children, so much so in a Taliban-controlled country. Um, in October 2012, Malala was on the bus on the way home from taking an exam that she'd fought hard to go to get to to take. And the Taliban member came on the bus and said, who's Malala? And she said, I am, and, and, and she got shot. And, you know, thankfully, she survived that experience. But man, she is absolutely, completely resilient. And she remained authentic. She remained authentic to her brand, authentic to what she believed in, no matter whether it put her or her family at personal risk. So, you know, a great story there. And then last person, please. Thank you, Holly. Okay, so we're left with Elon Musk. Um, again, if anyone doesn't know Elon Musk, um, so Elon Musk is the CEO um, of Dreamer. Unique. Oh, John, you just set me up nicely there. Proud, crazy, smart, genius, however quirky. Yes, absolutely. Futuristic, weird, pushes boundaries. Audible. Thanks, Kimberly. That's fantastic. Imaginative. Brilliant. And actually, this is really great um, because my word, yeah, my word for Elon is also unique. Um, and, you know, it's really interesting. And I tend to use the term you'll see in the latest slide. I tend to use the term differentiated. Um, but ultimately, Elon Musk, whether you think he is, you know, a a highly imaginative, highly maverick individual, or whether you also think actually he's a little crazy, you know, um, he does push the boundaries, not entirely sure. I, I have, the jury's still out for me with Elon Musk. I think some things that he does are groundbreaking and, and as Jeva said, pushes boundaries. I think other things that he does just sit a little bit, make me feel a little bit uncomfortable with a values mismatch. Um, 
but he is completely unique and again also very authentic he is who he is and he is who he is on social media whether you like it or not and he makes no apologies for that so actually part of a strong brand is about that differentiation that being unique in your own personal way so thank you very much for engaging in that one that was fantastic so we're going to go to the next slide please so what makes up a personal brand and there's quite a lot here um, so this is my framework that I've developed through my own consultancy business. Um, but it, you know, it's not, it's not unique. You'll see some of this stuff in, in many models, but it is a seven step framework as to what makes up your personal brand. And rather than me sit there and talk through each of these, I'm going to ask you some questions. I want you to think about this. So when you're thinking about your brand, the first thing to think about is what's your story? What's your story? And whenever I say that to clients that come to me for personal brand coaching, invariably what I met with is, oh, I don't have a story. I don't have a story. Everyone has a story, including you. So, you know, any, any, we, we sometimes underestimate ourselves by thinking, oh, my story isn't, you know, it's not great trials and tribulations. I'm not Malala. I haven't been through those sorts of things. But we've all been through times in our life where actually, Louise, I'll get to that. For, I'll get to that. Hang on. Hold that thought. Um, we all go through times in our life where actually we've had real highs. So an example of um, example of my story is and i'll give you two examples actually so part of my story is i left a very successful career in banking after 26 years to go and set up my own business brave some might say foolhardy some others might say but i walked away from a career in which i had a very strong brand in order to do something that i was really passionate about and i wanted to help men and women you know, build their confidence, build their brand and accelerate their career. So that was one thing that I did. It was a really big transition for me. Another part of my story, Louise, is um, a few years ago. Gosh, where are we now? Probably 2017, 2018. I was working in my last organization um, and you know, basically, I had a really tough time. I was working in a role that was really big. I had 3,000 employees around the globe. I had really difficult stakeholders. Um, and it was really, really hard. And actually, I left the role after a year. Um, you know, and I learned a lot from it. And some bits were successful, but other bits weren't. Um, so part of that story was, you know, having to overcome my confidence issues with running such a large team, having to work out how to manage my stakeholder base, you know, really showing resilience um, to, you know, and actually in building the skill sets that I needed in order to be as successful as I could be. And actually in the end going, do you know what, this probably isn't for me and walking away from it. So those are examples. So, so your story is when you've had real big highs, when you potentially had lows, how have they shaped you? So it's not just about what happens, it's about how those things shaped you into the person that you are. So I hope that I hope that answers the question, Louise. So that's your story. Second thing is, what are you passionate about? 
So if you can think about what your passions are in a work environment, great. Um, you know, I have, I have ex-colleagues and friends who are incredibly passionate about problem solving. Give them a problem and they absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. So, you know, is it problem solving? Is it you're passionate about being a great leader? Is it you're passionate about your clients? So what are you passionate about? If you can't think about it in a work environment, then what are you passionate about at home? Um, and, and let me give you an example of how it can translate into, into the workplace. So I have quite a few clients who are passionate about running. They absolutely love to run. And when I ask them, why do they love to run? It's not about the running, though, you know, they enjoy it. Actually, most of them will say, it's time for me. It's time when I can go out, I can pound the streets, and actually I'm in my own headspace. And that allows me to solve problems, you know, think through some strategies, whatever it may be. Um, so it's not the running, it's what the running gives them. So think about what you're passionate at work, think about what you might be passionate at home and how that actually, what that gives you, what you get from that passion. So your passions are your second part of your personal brand. Third, your values. So I hope that actually if I spoke to each and every one of you right now, you should be able to tell me off the top of your head three to five values that are really important to you. So what are those values that are really important to you? And again, let me give you, in order to help you do that, sometimes it is about you can say, oh, I know what that is. You know, my values are honesty, trust, respect. Other way of thinking about what values are important to you is to work out what happens when they get taken away. And again, let me give you an example. A <clears throat> Ooh, excuse me, a long time ago, I worked for somebody who really micromanaged me. And, you know, it was a really tough time in my career where it was just their natural style, but it really didn't work for me. And I realized that actually freedom and autonomy were really, really important in the role that I had and really important to me. I wanted to be given freedom to be able to run my own team. It felt for me like a marker of trust. And I didn't realize how important it was until somebody was taking that freedom away. So think about it in that way as well. Skills and experiences, um, or skills and experience, I should say. Bear with me, I'm just gonna grab some water. So I hope you're all familiar with this. So what do you actually bring to the table in the workplace? An easy way of figuring this one out is what, what do your appraisals say? What do your performance reviews say? But you should be able to, off the top of your head, say quite comfortably, I am good at leading people, I am good at decision making, I'm good at problem solving, I'm good at organization, whatever it may be. What do you bring to the table in your skills and experience? Those are the four internal parts of your personal brand. They're really about you. And you should know these inside out and backwards. Then what you do with those four things is then start to externalize them. So this is how people start to get that perception of you. So how do you behave? And you know, a simple way of, of, of looking at this and the way that I encourage my clients to think about it is, do you, does your behavior tie in with your values? 
So if you say one of your values is honesty, are you honest as an individual? If you say one of your values is integrity, do you operate with integrity? And how we behave and how we act has a really fundamental impact on our brand. Let me give you two examples. I talked about this at the very beginning. Two sports personalities um, that you may know. One is Tiger Woods. So um, I'll, values, oh, I'll go back to that question, Nitesh. I've just spotted it around. Uh, it's values you exhibit. But actually, if you... But actually, it could be both, Nitesh. It's a really good question. It is values you exhibit, but also, actually, if you look at values in others and you think, I really like that value, something resonates with me, it's a good indicator that that's an important value to you as well. So thanks for the question. So back to behavior and action. So Tiger Woods, you know, uh, incredibly successful golfer a long time ago. Um, and... You know, you will have read, you know, way back when in the press, went through a series of uh, extramarital affairs and his personal brand went through the floor. Um, and, you know, he became very unpopular. It was a very public um, thing. And, you know, there's many people that have said that his golf um, prowess has never been the same since. And actually, when I was researching this the other day, somebody said he's been a shadow of his former self. So he's a very good example of somebody whose behavior and actions really fundamentally damaged, damaged his brand. Another good example is Lance Armstrong. So again, if any of you know Lance Armstrong, he was, you know, he's a famous cyclist um, and actually, and funnily enough, starred on the Oprah Winfrey show where he admitted after a lot of public inquiry and, um, a lot of damaging press admitted that actually he'd been taking drugs um, after spending many years denying it. So real question around integrity. So your behavior and your actions can really damage your brand. So, you know, how do you behave? How do you act? Are they in keeping with your values? And then the last two, how do you communicate? And I don't just mean, you know, written communication, but I mean, you know, verbal communication. How do you get your message across? Um, how effective is your communication? How effective is your nonverbal communication? Do you take an opportunity to talk about you and your brand and communicate that to others? Because if you don't, how are they supposed to know who you are? And then the last piece is around image, you know, which I spend, tend to spend less time on with my clients. But, you know, image is an important part, um, whether we like it or not, of, you know, the makeup of us. And people make perceptions based on our image. So it's something to bear in mind. So I'm going to pause there and I'm going to invite John to give us some views. John, where are you? I need you to pop on my screen. Here, I'm sure if a talk will come back to the front. <laughs> so John, talk to us about your career, um, your experience, what's your brand and, you know, what have you learned around um, your brand and the best way to get it across? So just for full disclosure, um, we didn't rehearse this, and I'm almost reticent now that we didn't because uh, I don't have any prepared answers. Um, but uh, yeah, I've been learning as much um, listening to this, I'm sure, as everyone else has. So it's it's really helpful. So starting with my story, uh, I've been an ops person for most of my career. 
Um, I've been working for far too many years. Uh, I'll not disclose that too much. Um, I've spent the majority, probably two thirds um, of my career back in Scotland, which is where I'm from, and probably one third uh, out here in Asia, where I'm based in Singapore at the moment. Um, you know, if I was to go around these passions, values, skills, experience, that's a bit of skills and experience. Um, I would say top skills are probably people leadership, coaching, um, you know, helping a team achieve something as opposed to necessarily being good at what the team is doing. Um, so in the common scheme of when you become good at a job, you get promoted to lead that team. I'm hopefully the opposite. I've never been particularly good at the job, but I've been quite good at leading the team. And I kind of found that at quite an early age. Things that I'm passionate about, um, as time goes on and I become older and uh, I'll say more experienced rather than wiser, um, things like D&I have been super important to me and I've kind of thrown myself into that quite with, with a huge amount of passion. Um, I'm very, very conscious, particularly working in Asia and working around the world, that I do have, um, you know, quite a bit of... Uh, both experience, but also privilege. So, you know, my favorite phrase of I'm stale, male and pale, I like to try and use that to best advantage and um, and do the right thing with that privilege as opposed to do the wrong thing, which I do see a lot. Um, values, uh, this is an easier question to ask people that, are, that, that I work with um, on the call if I, I notice some of the names. So it'd be interesting to take their straw poll and see if they agree with me or not. Um, but I think, you know, integrity is a very cliched one, but I do take that very seriously. I think it's um, important to, you know, when you say you're going to do something, do it. Um, and particularly, may I would say, around the kind of DNI front. So, you know, when I came into this job and half my team, uh, sorry, the, you know, everyone apart from one member of my direct, so 14, 13 out of 14 were male. And I said, I'm going to change it. And two years later, it was 50 50. Um, when I said, when I worked for my previous firm, that I wanted to, you know, make sure that the Pride Network there was successful, I started chairing the Pride Network and made it a success. So when it comes to those kind of DNI passions, um, I want to make sure that I kind of live by my own um, ideals. Um, let me let me pause to see if that's kind of the content that you're looking for, because I, you know, I've I'm I've not really given this huge amount of thought in terms of here's my personal brand statement. It's more just these are the things that I think are my brand. But um interesting to see if there's anyone who, who works with me, whether they agree or um or whether that's uh what you're thinking about, Krista. So why don't we open it up, which is really nice of you, John, because you are you're 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 sort of putting yourself out there and being very vulnerable, but I'm I'm sure your team will uh, We'll pitch in. So for those of you who know John on the call, does that does that resonate with you? How would you describe his personal brand? And you can either pop it on chat or you can speak up. We don't mind. Leader. Thank you, Cindy. Any other thoughts around John? Oh, they're all a bit shy. And we're a long way away from bonus time, so it's quite okay for <laughs> everyone to... <laughs> That's your perception of John's brand. So, Alfred, you mean what he said so far is what you see as part of his brand? Sorry about the background noise for me. Authentic. Yes. Brilliant. Okay. Honest. Approachable, inspiring. John walks the talk. 
lovely. Yeah, and that struck me, actually, because when you talked about, as you said, when you talked about um, DNI, actually that values and then the direct correlation with your behavior and your actions two years later, it was a 50 50 split. That's incredibly important. And you know, that and I guess is, that's, yeah, that that, that's the one thing that definitely. Go on. Sorry, Chris. No, and that, that's one thing that particularly annoys me about topics like DNI, mm. where people step in because it's the, you know, it's the, the thing to do at the moment as opposed to you do it so you know you don't just sell a green bond because your shareholders expect you to sell a green bond you sell a green bond because you actually think it's the right thing to do yeah yeah and that's integrity isn't it really it's you know as you say it's about doing what's right as opposed to what doing what's popular um so i i love the fact that your team is saying yeah absolutely this guy walks this guy walks the talk and john what would be you know, what would be your recommendations? And, uh, and as you said, I know, you know, this is, this is something you're seeing for the first time, but what would be your recommendation, things to think about when, for, the, for this audience around how to build their brand? Um, I think it was back to someone said it earlier, is it how people, um, you know, see them? I think it was Natesh, I'm scrolling back through the comments, um, who said, you know, is this what, you see or how others see you. As I've always tried to build my brand as something that um, is about how I see myself, because that's much easier. If you're always trying to play to what other people think you should look like, it becomes really tiring. Um, so I've always been someone who, you know, I try and do what I think is how I want to behave and hopefully other people will respect that and want to work with me and want me to be part of their organization, et cetera. But if, if it doesn't work with them, you know, I'm quite happy to, to walk mm -hmm. away from that, you know, and, and, and without mentioning names, you know, I was in a situation a few years back now where um, I felt I was running a good team uh, a new CEO came into that team, disagreed with some of the ways that I was doing it, didn't feel I was client-centric enough because I was actually trying to run more of a control function. Um, we fell out about that and I exited. Um, you know, and I think that's that's fine. You're like, you're, we're, we're not guaranteed to get on with and, and you know, um, love every single person we work with. Sometimes there will be clashes, but... You know, I could have, I, I knew what was required. I could have changed myself to fit in, but it just didn't sit with who I was. And, you know, there was other leaders in the business I was in who said to me, well, you know, if that doesn't work out, come and work for me. So I did. Um, so, you know, that, I mean, that was quite an extreme example, but uh, I just don't, it, it's too tiring in life to try and be someone you're not. So, you know, yeah. doing the things, doing the things that you like and you're good at and you firmly believe is part of you should be much easier than trying to be um, someone that, you know, you're expected to be, etc. And, and I think people would respect that. So, you know, again, that probably comes back to integrity. Thank you, John. And as you say, it's, you know, you can't be all things to all people. And why on earth would you? She said it's too, it's too much like hard work. And as we just learned from, you know, the Elon Musk example, 
actually everyone also has a different interpretation so you know one person's maverick is another person's crazy so you know i i, I absolutely agree with you that life is too short to try and morph yourself into something that actually you're not so there you go folks you've heard two examples from, you've heard examples from john and, and examples from myself where we've both walked away from situations that actually we didn't feel met with some of the you know the passions the values that we actually both have um and didn't feel authentic to us so we actually you know we pursued an, an, an alternative path thank you john i'm gonna move to the next slide um, we've got a couple more slides and then uh, and then we then we're, we'll wrap up so I've talked through a couple, three of these, in fact, again, when we talked about the three individuals that we, we discussed. But here's a quick summary. What does a strong personal brand look like? So one, it's authentic. I think, you know, we've made that really, really clear. Two, as I talked about with Oprah Winfrey, it's focused. Don't dilute your brand. Don't try and do lots of different things. Concentrate on the things that actually, as John said, you enjoy, that you're good at, that you find rewarding, and then amplify those a good strong personal brand is differentiated um, you know we use the word unique with elon musk i use differentiated because actually i think sometimes we try and put pressure on ourselves to be completely unique from everyone else but again it's about really honing and understanding who you are what you enjoy what you're good at um, you know, really, really differentiating in, in, in that respect and making it known. It should be well understood. So if you've done all of this work to understand who you are, you do need to get that message across. And I'm going to give you some strategies in the last slide around that. Um, it should be consistent. You know, as we've said, it's confusing to people if you talk about acting with integrity and then don't act with integrity. Um, and the one thing you do need to be is consistent, um, you know, in in your brand so that actually everyone has that similar view, because not everybody gets to see you every day. They don't know you that well. So the snippets and the nuggets that they get when they meet you or when you talk are the things they will all take away. So you can have 30 seconds with someone. And as I mentioned earlier, they've made a decision on your brand. So you should be consistent. And it should be widely known. So again, different to, to the others, but actually you want your brand to be widely known by the people around you. So that's what a strong personal brand looks like. Collie, next slide, please. I have a quick question for you, Cressida. Sorry, it's a personal question, but I don't know if you, that will resonate with people on the call. It's just that obviously we are at home um, we've not seen people a lot these first couple of years, if we have at all. Um, and I know you've talked about amplifying your brand and being uh, being being visible and and everyone knowing what who you want, what you want to do, etc. I mean, is it a bit difficult for people who are at home? And how maybe even John, if you want to pitch in, how do you how do you promote yourself when you are completely digital? And and then you have thirty seconds with people. Sometimes you have five minutes with your boss, and that's all you all that boss can stretch with you. Um, so how do you get that kind of amplification of brand if you if you are basically behind a screen? Um, John, did you want to? What were your views on this? And then I'll pitch. Um, so one thing, just 
pick up what you said there, when about when you're behind the screen, don't be behind the screen. But you can still be remote. So I've done several one-to-ones, and I'm sure there's some people on this call that have been part of those where I've been walking. Um, and I did it first because I was making a really bad attempt to keep fit, which obviously failed miserably if I was to stand up and you see my too big a beer belly. But um, uh, I did it as an attempt, you know, we'll do one-to-ones and we'll do it walking. So, you know, the one thing that I found is just how much attention I gave, and I feel really bad for saying this, I gave the people I was having a one-to-one -one with when there wasn't Teams chat popping up, um, Skype chats popping up, emails popping up, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you probably heard as soon as I came off mute, my boss phoned me in Teams, you probably heard it ringing in the background, which is slightly embarrassing. Um, but, uh, you know, so I'm not saying that walking is the answer. What I'm saying is to be in the moment, make sure that when you are talking to someone, you are free of other distractions. It sounds really obvious, but when you've got a one-to-one -one across the desk, I'm pointing because I'm back in the office, but <clears throat> a one-to-one across the desk, it is really rude to turn around and answer emails and look at your chats that are popping up, et cetera. But when we're at home, it's much easier to do that, but we should just be you know, cognizant of that and, and try and avoid it. So it's a really simple thing, but come away from the screen when you're talking to people. I invested in a wireless headset, and if I'm not walking and the weather's bad outside, I'm, you know, I can walk around the house or walk around the office and just, just get away and, and focus on people like we would when we're face to face. And I think, you know, Gwen, I think, look, it, the, the bit that's difficult when you're not in the same room is the classic water cooler moments, as they call it. You know, that ability to um, get into the office, have a chat about how terrible public transport was and, you know, and, and so on and so forth, which was something that when I was in London and in the office, we regularly complained about, um, which creates that sense of bonding, creates that sense of rapport. So my answer would be, so, so you don't get to do that. However, you still get to talk to people. So actually try and not make each conversation transactional. You know, and sometimes it can feel a bit inauthentic having a conversation with somebody, you know, over Zoom or WebEx or, you know, whatever it may be, but actually do have, try and spend at least a couple of minutes asking them about themselves and, you know, they'll ask you about yourself as well. Try and create that rapport as an actual activity because I do think, you know, I think it's easier than, than, than we think actually creating a brand through, you know, sort of digital. I mean, I've successfully created my coaching brand in the last year, pretty much entirely through video calls. Um, but we do miss that. So my view would be try and replicate that, take some time, don't make it transactional, get to know people a little bit, and then they'll get to know you and you can start to display your brand in that way. I hope that answers the question. So I'm conscious of time. This is our last this is our last slide and there's quite a lot to pack in. So I'm going to try and get through and rattle through. But here are some key strategies and there are a lot of key strategies. How do you build a brand? So some of them go back to what we've talked about. Hone your story. And again, Louise, this is another another way of developing your story. I talked about highs and lows. Do three transitions that you've had in your life. And it's a popular coaching model. Three major transitions work. 
So when you think back in your life, what's happened in your life that again has shaped you? Three major things. Um, you know, it could be career related, it could be personal, it could be, you know, having a family is often one that comes up, um, getting married, maybe getting divorced, maybe losing a loved one. You know, what are the three major things that have happened in your life and how have they shaped you and made you into the person that you are? Because these are opportunities to talk about these three, these three major transitions and I'll, I'll talk through that in a second. Uh, what are you passionate about, as I've said? And again, how does this translate into work? You're a great runner. You know, you love going to the gym or you like going to see bands or whatever it is. What is it about it and how does it translate into work? Because we've talked about before. What are your values? Now, one of the things I often get my clients to do is to do their top 10 values exercise. So basically what you do, is you go away and you write your top 10 values, one value per post-it note, put them out in front of you. If you don't have 10, that's fine. You may have less, but do try and keep it to 10. Most of the time, most people kind of end up with 13, 14, 15, and we narrow it down to 10. And then what I ask my clients to do, and I would recommend you do, is take, stick all of those post-it notes in front of you, and then take the value that is least important, screw it up in your hand, throw it in the bin. And then look at the remaining nine and take the next least important value, screw it up in your hand and throw it in the bin. Take the next one, screw it up in your hand and throw it in your bin. And the reason why I'm making such a point of screwing it up in your hand and throwing it in the bin is there is a physical act of writing your values on a piece of paper, writing a value on a post-it note, and then screwing it up and throwing it away that as you start to get into the values that are really important to you, you'll start to feel uncomfortable about screwing it up if you're really doing it right. And I've done this very successfully with clients because they'll get to a point where they'll go, I can't decide. Either I can't decide or I'm not prepared to throw it away because it's so important to me. So, you know, if I were doing the, the, the conversation with John and we got to integrity, you know, he would really struggle to go, actually, I can't throw it away. It's so fundamentally important to me. So it's a really good exercise to actually help you work out what really are your key values and what's really important to you. Do, uh, do a strengths and experience audit. Um, audit, you know, <laughs> it, it, and I, I use that word deliberately. So write your strengths, write down your experiences. You should know this stuff to hand um, because you should be able to talk about this when the opportunity presents itself. As you've mentioned, do you live your values? Really question yourself. You know, I'm talking about truth. I'm talking about honesty. I'm talking about integrity. Do I actually live those values? How does your behavior reflect what's important to you? Some other practical things. When did you last update your CV? And, you know, it shouldn't be because actually you're just looking for another opportunity. Updating your CV, updating your bio is important. They're an important part of your key of your brand. You know, as an entrepreneur, when I am talking to organizations who are interested in either my keynote speaking or my coaching, I have a media kit. 
And in my media kit is my headshots, it's my bio, sometimes it's, you know, my CV. So do you have a media kit and is it up to date? And it doesn't mean you, you don't have to use it. Your CV doesn't have to then mean you're going to go and find another job. But actually, it's really about getting you into the habit of understanding who you are and what you bring to the table. Do you have a social media presence? Um, now, this one's, this one's an interesting one because it's often what I get asked. Should I post on social media about the job that I do? So my first counsel to people that ask this question is always check with your organization's rules um, and the media team, because not all organizations feel comfortable with their employees talking about things. So know the guidelines and know the rules. But I have quite a few clients. So I have a client in the ESG space and she posts on LinkedIn about the latest developments in ESG. Um, and, you know, I have another who is in the innovation space and she posts on innovation. A few really well thought through constructive um, or forwarding of articles in your area of your domain on social media and the right forms of social media can be incredibly um, helpful to, to build your brand to the outside world. The next one, weave in your stories when talking to people. And this sounds a bit, I know this sounds a bit strange. How am I sitting there having a conversation around a problem at work and I'm going to talk about my three major transitions? But you have to start to actually talk through your brand. Um, so, you know, talk about some of your experiences and how they built you and created you as the person that you are. Share your stories, be open with people, even if, if, it, even if it makes you uncomfortable and particularly if it makes you uncomfortable. Weave your stories in when you're talking to people. You have to get out there if you want to promote your brand. Do town halls, do speaker series, volunteer to go and talk at another team's team meeting. Um, you know, whatever it is, get out there and talk about your brand, what's important to you, something that you can add value on, your area of expertise. You have to get out there. There is no other way of doing it. Use executive language. And, and by this, what I mean is I often find that as individuals, we downplay and we, we tend to undersell ourselves. So when you're talking about, and, and let me give you an example. I talked with a client the other day and she was talking about, you know, managing, um, managing a team of people. She is a senior leader who has a big team across the globe. And, and she was talking about kind of transactional management in really quite small terms. And I said, use the fact that you lead. You're a leader of people around the globe. So use language that you hear. Amplify what you do. Use executive, executive language. And then the last piece is, you know, as I said, I don't tend to consecrate quite so much on image because most people get this right but there is a famous saying dress for the role you want not the role you have um i am a bit of a stickler around this you know one of the things that um i often talk to my clients or when i'm doing speaker series about image work i say there are certain things you should wear certain things you should wear and that is my personal opinion um <clears throat> but it's a good thing to think about actually when you're presenting yourself, when you're all back in the office at whatever point it is, 
make sure that your image does you justice. I think even on online, on digital, we've seen some some shocking wear, office wear or homeware. <laughs> so because you're, you are you are at home that uh, you should just forget. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just funny. Some people just don't make an effort, but I think we should. It's just also professional and um, it's quite respectful as well. Um, and you know what, Gwen, you're absolutely right, Gwen, you and I have had this conversation. The thing is, you may think it's fine. I talked to somebody about wearing hoodies once, and it's quite a specific example. But I said to her, look, everyone's going to, you know, actually, she had a hoodie and it had quite a big logo and a, and a saying on the front of it that actually everyone could see. And I said, everyone's going to remember you for wearing that hoodie. She said, yeah, but my boss was wearing a hoodie as well. So I thought it would be fine. And I said, well, aside from the fact your boss shouldn't have been wearing a hoodie, um, it doesn't matter if you feel that people are more casual on calls. Actually, um, you really do have to be careful and you really do have to make sure that you are dressing appropriately and dressing professionally. Um, and actually, she went away and she asked a couple of people and said, do you remember I wore a hoodie? And they were like, oh, yeah, that hoodie. Yeah, we know. We went and had to chat about it. And so, that was thick. That was thick now. She should be called Miss Hoodie. That was so funny. Um, so we've got a couple of minutes left. And I know some people have to drop off because yet another meeting or it's the end of day also for Asia. But um, have we got any questions at all for anyone who is still left on the call for Cressida or for John? Because by all means, it's now time to ask if anyone has a question about personal brands and branding. How about uh, how about you, John? Do you think it, do you think it's important to dress the part? Uh, yeah, I think it's the usual thing about situational leadership. It's probably situational dressing as well. So, um, you know, I, I was just thinking when you said a hoodie. So the last person that I was talking to on Teams with a hoodie was our CEO, because it was a Sunday night. It was my Monday morning, and he was on Sunday night. Normally, he's like absolutely suited, booted, shirt, tie, jacket, and they, he came on teams and he literally was in his house with a hoodie on. I thought, wow, okay, but that was appropriate, so it's fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's and just a guess thinking, so. mm. exactly. Um, so yeah, I think, I think, um, you know, situational leadership also applies to situational dress code, and he was authentic to himself, it was Sunday night, so. There we go. Yeah, exactly. um, so thank you very much. Thanks, Gemma, for saying it was a great session. I thought it was too. Uh, just very interesting to hear from from you both what um, what you thought about this particular topic. We have a question actually from Naki. How do we continue to be our own true self? There's someone within the team who is continuously trying to bring you down by talking about you negatively behind your back. Ooh. Oh, that's quite a specific question. Um, I guess if it's in a team environment, John, did you have, without sort of dropping you into them, did you have a view on this one? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that 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 sounds to me, and maybe it is an offline discussion. That sounds to me like someone's having behaviours in the office that are inappropriate. You know, if someone feels that, and uh, if if that's a real situation, I would think about you know, raising that to an appropriate person. If I had someone in my team that felt that way, I would want to talk to them about it. So I think speaking to a line manager is important. If the person is a line manager, speaking to, you know, their line manager or, or someone that you can trust within the organization. But I don't think that 
phrase has a place in any organization particularly not an armstrong wolf organization that you know is generally speaking going to be a bank on the buy side or a firm on the sell side or whatever that um you know that that sounds to me something that should be tackled but you need to feel comfortable and you need to feel um supported in having that discussion with the right person so i think you know choose carefully um and choose someone that you can you can feel you can trust but uh, that that concerns me as a statement that someone's feeling that way that doesn't feel like the sort of organization that any of us would want to be part of yeah and and thank you john and i would add that and, and naki if you want if you want to have a conversation um then by all means either get in contact with me or you can go through gwen um you know because without context it's difficult to answer but my view is you know don't ever change because somebody else is trying to talk negative is talking negatively about you but i would agree with john that that kind of behavior has no place in in a work environment so you know perhaps do something about it but thank you for raising it naki because it's important and these this is reality also so it's very important that you take this this opportunity to to raise it because awareness is key um, so we are now at time, actually over time, and thank you very much for uh, joining. Thank you, John. Thank you, Cressida, for your for your uh, wise Thanks words. Um, we are next one will be around leadership uh, skills. So how to become a um, an effective leader through coaching methodologies. Um, everyone can be a coach internally. Uh, probably not qualified, but um, have the, having the right tools would be, I think, beneficial for you. So we are building a thread, as you can tell. Um, this this uh, this is going to be recorded, so we can send that across to you if you wanted to think about it again and listen to it at your. Uh, in your own time. Again, thank you both. Thank you both. And thank you for the audience for joining. Have a good rest of the day for everyone here in EMEA and a good evening.